2: don't quit before the miracle happens! And with the defective characters, three guys sitting around talking about our personal experience in recovery. Hey, I'm Mike. I'm Dennis. I'm James. The opinions are our own. We don't represent any particular organization, institution, or fellowship. Today we'll be sharing our experience with relapse and coming back in in this episode 49 of the Defective Characters podcast. Let's go. Guys, James here. James, <laughs> yeah, I was listening to last week's, and again, I don't know what it is. It sounds like I'm being so rude. You were fine, but then, even though I Thank waited you. a little bit in between, it sounded like that next thing that I say. The opinions are our own. We don't represent. It sounded like James here represents our common opponent. So it like was all muffled together. Well, um, you
0: know what we do? We have Dennis go last.
2: Oh, yeah, Uh, I'm always (laughs) like, let's let's do something a bit different. Let's go go around the the room and just a bit of gratitude and maybe just one thing that you're grateful for since we connected in the last week. You can do more than one, but just like kind of talk about that. Maybe something positive that you found in or out of the program just in your life. Um, Who wants to go first, James or Dennis? I'll go. Okay,
0: James. Um, so, I'm really grateful for uh, the wonder I see in nature and life and all the animals in. Because whenever I see anything growing, like natural, I, I know that that God created this amazing thing, and I, I'm grateful that I can really stop and pause and, and take in the, the beauty and the splendor. Um, I'm always, always grateful for my children. Um, Mike, you know, as a new father, like just it changes your life. Like when you become sober, that changes your life. But when you're a new parent, it changes your life. You felt love that you've never felt for the first time, and um, and you can you can be empathetic and realize how your parents must have loved you at the same time. So you have a, a newer relationship with your parents too. It's like a full circle. I'm so grateful for that and I'm grateful for my my wife and and finally I'm grateful for you two um you know having uh putting your time together and doing this podcast uh all three of us we always give each other our time and you know time is very precious so thanks guys
1: thanks James Dennis um I'm grateful for God my family and friends I'm grateful that Talitha called me when James was in the post office and we, I came down and got to see him yesterday morning and we did, (laughs) we did a gratitude list that we always do. So that was cool. I'm grateful. Oh wait, that was two days ago, but I'm still grateful for it. (laughs) I'm grateful for you guys. Not because of the stupid podcast, but just because you guys are you. (gasps) I'm just kidding. I like this podcast too. Um, Okay. I'm also grateful for opportunities and cool stuff that happens. I'm grateful.
0: Do you want to elaborate? Old timers. What? Do you want to elaborate on opportunities and cool stuff? No, I don't. Okay. I
3: don't.
2: It's just just fair to say good things are good. uh, What do they say? Would you say maybe you, uh, part of the promises are coming true, and and positive things? Sure, right? I, I uh,
0: yeah.
1: I'll elaborate till I get to work on a cool project. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. That's I'll good. talk about it one day. Yeah, when one I, day when I selflessly promote it
2: after it's done. <laughs> <laughs> no, i <I'm> just <laughs> I will say, uh, last week was what Pride, you know, and maybe re-listen. To last week's episode. No. I'm um, oh, I'm no. not proud. I'm scared shitless about it. I'm terrified, but I,
1: I, I'm grateful that God has my back and will help me get through any fear that I have. And, and you can, can go, go back
2: appreciate it. It. episode 22 on honesty. You can also look at that um, if you want. Uh, no. And uh, was, was that it? Anything else? Color pink. And the color pink. That's Aww.
0: That's You that's know, that's just, that's just white and red mixed together. So you're really grateful for white and red. Two things.
2: Wow, way to dampen the joy, <laughs> I wonder if in <laughs> the medical field, they look at red and white blood cells and go, those are just pink. <laughs> <laughs> well, if they Greg think like me, yes. Doctor's license shortly <laughs> yeah. after
1: that realization. He's
2: like, whoa, your pink pink blood cell counts is not good. It's like, God, Alex Trebek's like, what does that mean? <laughs> uh, that's not nice. Um, so yeah, uh, not things, nice. things I'm grateful for. Uh, yeah, definitely you guys. And I think that some of the, the tools of the program that I weren't, um, I guess, I wasn't appreciating um, as much are, are coming back of knowing uh like today uh Dennis and I right before we we jumped on with Hugh James uh got out of a meeting talking a little bit about happiness and and how how that's to be and I know we talked about it two episodes ago but there were even things that I think that that episode would be different if I had uh, you know just co- say that was the topic today it's just knowing how to be happy it's all relative but uh i'm gonna turn it over and really appreciate everything that i have in my life instead of maybe looking at social media of what other people have that i wish that i had or that i had in the past
0: you know yeah
2: and uh and kind of just walking through it knowing that i can't control and expectations albeit a great book by what writer great expectations who did that you guys know Anything? I do know but eh, I don't know. Don't look it up. Don't do it. Have to look it oh, yeah. E-
0: Ethan Hawk. <laughs> Ethan Hawk.
2: Was it? Ethan Hawk. It- Ethan Hawk. I don't know. Was it? Ethan he was, was in reality, down. but. No, it was
0: Charles
1: Dickens.
2: Charles Dickens. I knew that. So when Chuck. It's- Charles when
1: Dickens is my second favorite author.
2: Was Chuck one of us? Well, I don't
1: know. You
2: don't think so? Well,
1: back then they didn't have.
0: Oh yeah, Charles Dickens wrote Mickey's Christmas Carol. <laughs>
1: well, he wrote he wrote a Christmas Carol.
2: Mickey wasn't around; wasn't the
1: original. Don't squash
0: character. my dreams, boy.
2: Yeah, well, that's good. Any, anything else you guys want to share that's going on? Everything else good.
0: Oh. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm gonna. Talitha wants to start a butterfly garden in our courtyard. So that's cool.
1: That is pretty cool. I watched a cool documentary last night called, uh, biggest little farm. And the whole thing was about like natural farming and like using the ecosystem. So instead of using pesticides and stuff like that, they allowed like bugs to come and then introduced new predators and stuff like that. So by the end of it, they had this like fully formed ecosystem with all kinds of, vegetables and animals and like coyotes and badgers and gophers and all these things that lived in harmony and it was the
0: land the ride the land
1: kind of but less hydroponics and less like concrete and plastic
0: living with the land
1: it just looked beautiful (laughs) it's a good documentary
2: i wonder i wonder if floridians every time i hear that i'm like i wonder if people from florida think it says living in the land (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that's a town in florida you're not from here okay.
0: oh, <laughs> was that a, was the one ride i could, I could always like
2: what <laughs> you can look it up the ride so, that some i people, on. some people say d-land yeah. i'm from d-land, d-land. Disney you know land. that's in california mike <laughs> yeah that's a different thing um uh, so i um i came across this topic and uh over the years i have had several friends that I'm grateful that when they hit, I guess you could say a bump in the road and they relapse, you know, like it, it's funny in the program, you, you know, if somebody has da- dibbled and dabbled in it or not, to me, if they say on or off the wagon, I know that they probably haven't messed around with AA because people don't. Have you heard people in the rooms? Talk about on and off the wagon. Do you think that was the thing in the eighties, Dennis? And they what just went away? Maybe. I don't hear about it
1: often. But, but before I you know came it,
2: in, did you hear like, I oh, he's off?
1: Phrase, yeah,
2: yeah. But it, it's not. Is yeah. it just because it reminds you of the Oregon Trail? That's why you think people Maybe. don't say it <laughs> <laughs> dysentery. <laughs> so I asked this Indian to help me force the river, um, and but on and off the wagon, like relapse is a real thing. And I don't know about you guys, but hearing somebody share about it and pick up their surrender chip once they come back in, the value of that is, is so important. And if, if I can start with you, James, on, okay. on relapse, just because actually coming back into the rooms, you know, even if it's just a meeting, and then coming back in after some time or the next day. Um, well,
0: I want to start with this, Mike. Uh, yeah. it, takes a, it takes a big man to cry. Uh, but it takes a bigger man to laugh at that man.
1: That's what the hell are you talking about? It's <laughs> is that
2: Charles Dickens?
0: No, no, it's uh, Deep Thoughts by Jack Handy. Oh God! <laughs> I just wanted to get Dennis aroused.
2: Well, uh, you, you did. He is, he is. Did you say aroused? <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: that was that was a slip of the tongue.
2: <laughs> All right, this this podcast has completely gone off the rails. Stay, stay seated uh so (laughs) aroused or not (laughs) so the question that i wanted to pose to you james to get us started uh after your after your relapse uh how did you return and if you want to hear james story it's what episode three uh four i think is when you told the story definitely go back and listen to that but if you can touch on that
1: i'm episode two if anyone cares (laughs)
0: that's good um well okay let's um see um my last relapse was um i don't even remember but i i do remember um you know going in and out of the rooms for for a while and at one point after um my the mother of my children left me um I, I was alone. I had my own apartment, and I was alone, and I could do whatever I wanted. So I just said to myself, I am, I'm, I don't want to get sober. And I continued, even though I had AA in my mind, I drank and did drugs for, geez, it must have been six years before I came back. So if you want to call it a six year relapse, you know, but during that time, like I, I knew what I was wrong, what was wrong with me. I knew I was an alcoholic. I knew I was fundamentally, uh, not getting better, but I was getting worse. Everything about me, my social life, uh, my physical body, my mental state, everything, my financial burdens were piling up and, um, Things just got worse and worse, and um, so my relapse was quite, quite a magnitude. Now I must say, before I came back, um, you know, for for many years in and out of the program, I I never stayed sober for more than thirty days. So, um, I truly, I, I came into the room when I was uh, in two thousand and three, and I didn't get sober until 2017. So, and the reason I came back to the program is because I had a spiritual experience. And um, I won't get into that spiritual experience, but that spiritual experience floored me, and it brought me back into the rooms. And during that time, you know, I was in my heart, I knew I was done. There is, there is no going back for me, and uh, it's been like that. It's been like that because I, I put God first and center of my life, and I truly followed a program of recovery, and I uh, I try to do what my sponsor tells me to do, and um, yeah, man. So. Um, that's what got me back from my six year relapse. And um, I, I didn't feel um, shame or guilt because I had, uh, I had moved to a different county. I didn't know anyone. So it was like I was coming in for the first time, you know, um, some people I know, they will they'll, they'll relapse and then they're in the same town and, people will see them go out and come back in and you know I I when I first started the rooms and I would get a month sober and then I would drink again and go back, you know. It after a while it got pretty shameful and I after a while I just stopped picking up white chips and I, I lied. I was like Because I didn't want to admit that I kept drinking. So it was a, a lot of work. I'm a piece of work. Let's just say that. But I have—I'm happy to say that I, I have been sober for over three years now, and um, relapse is uh, definitely a possibility. But um, I definitely do daily work and daily devotions to prevent from going back to that. That was kind of a long-winded answer. So. No, I mean not really.
2: I mean, the question was after you relapse, how'd you return? And where did yeah. you start? And you talked about that. Yeah.
3: Was, okay. was there
2: any time, and I know you said that spiritual experience, was there any time in that six years where anyone, whether it was in your circle that you were running with, coworker, everything else, anybody that you knew of that started going to meetings or quit drinking or anything like that during that time that triggered and made you say, oh, yeah, I tried that before. Was there any of those? those bits within uh, that six year stretch?
0: No, not really. When I decided to go, you know, and stop doing the program, um, I stopped communicating with the people that were in the rooms, all wonderful people. And I stopped communicating with them. And then, you know, it was just the people. It was mainly, um, my kids and my ex and people I worked with, you know, cause I was, I isolated pretty much. So, um, I got a lot of, um, you know, little intuitive thoughts that yeah, this is getting worse. You, you should probably go back. And um, but I just ignored those because I would rather numb myself. So, but as far as I knew, um, no one in my immediate circle was going. And and you guys know the story about my uh, when I met my my now wife, she. I still had my AA book, and she found it. And she asked a few questions about it. And I took that time to kind of plant the seed, because I knew she drank like I did. And you know, if if I was gonna stay with this woman, um, we were pro- probably both gonna have to come to the room. So who knows if it was divinely inspired or if I had this plan the entire time?
2: Yeah. You know, there's, um, I guess in the last six years, you know, um, it's funny, I guess I used to take it almost personal. Like, and I think I might've shared about this before the, when I came into the rooms and, uh, you know, I think I picked up my, my year and everything else. And people asked about relapsing and somebody said, Oh, you're a one chip wonder. And I would take offense to it. And then oh. I realized that, I mean, well, I mean, that's not that what alcoholics do. They resent, <laughs> you know, it's like that's uh, it just seems seems like a thing. But it was almost like, oh, you're not, a, you know, like you hear some of the old timers or you hear people say that some of the old timers that are like really brutes would be like, ah, oh, I spilt more than you ever drank type of thing. And almost like say that talk, to someone you, you've yeah. never heard that.
1: I've heard people say yeah. it like they uh. people have said that to him, but I've never had anyone say it to me.
2: So but, I can yeah. I can honestly say that I've heard somebody share that in a meeting, not towards me, but towards someone else. That was my well, 22.
0: I, I, I do want to say as as a one chip wonder, uh, you and Dennis both, all you guys did was save yourself, you know, pain. You know, you saved yourself a lot of pain. And, and bravo
1: to that. Uh, I don't know. I disagree with that. That's okay. Do you uh, disagree with the bravo or the pain? <laughs> the saving yourself <laughs> pain. Because although like, I was, I guess, technically a one-chip wonder, I really wasn't. In the sense of, like, you know, I went to rehab when I was, like, 15. Or, yeah, like, 15, 16. For, like, nine months, and I was exposed to A.A. Now, I don't really count that as a relapse because I knew the whole time that I was there that I was going to go back out. I was just court ordered there. I wasn't going to quit. I wasn't anything. So I was going to go back out. But years later, when I decided that I was going to quit, I had many, many times over the course of years where like, I'm not going to drink or I'm not going to smoke pot. I'm not going to do this, but then end up doing it. So it was this relapse kind of thing. And then I ended up quitting like a year and a half before I ever came into the rooms. But it wasn't like it saved me from pain. It almost caused more pain. So by the time that I came into the rooms I had like white knuckled it and went through all of that stuff before I ever even picked up a white chip. Now if I would have picked up a Hmm. white chip years later I probably would have had some relapses but I think the recovery would have been a lot less because I or would have been a lot better and less painful because i would have had more understanding and i wouldn't have been doing it alone where that whole time i felt alone i don't know what's going on i thought it was complete like mental breakdown like and stuff so yeah to me to me it wasn't like smooth sailing like one chip wonder you just get it it's like no i I went through a lot of suffering and then finally picked up a chip
0: Mm -hmm.
2: and dennis also uh, he just typed out a message and said that he spilt more than we both ever drank, James. So
0: That's not true. <laughs> I don't
2: know. That's what I saw. Um, how, how, about, how about this for Poor the person Dennis. that is coming off a relapse? I'll start. So you guys can think about it. Maybe one suggestion that you can recommend. James just did a couple of what worked for him, but think about one suggestion. Uh, if they're coming off a relapse and haven't, um, you know don't know what to do uh mine is to i'm trying to think uh, how about this google um a a help number and and call that number that i think that is the easiest thing to do and i can pretty much guarantee they will suggest you go to a meeting but my first thing is to especially if it's a relapse and you haven't actually tried to get sober and don't have a sponsor already and haven't, you know, uh, committed as far as that goes in the past, I would say I don't, I don't know that number, I'll be honest. But if you Google uh, AA help number, there is a 24 hour line that the service office will be able to help you. And they'll be able to talk to you. And I'm pretty sure they still do it, but I, I'm sure now they probably also suggest like Zoom meetings to connect in this day and age. But back when I got sober even six years ago, I sound like a matron, it was uh somebody would actually go to your house and pick you up and take you to a meeting. And so I would suggest to call that number. Uh James, do you have a suggestion? As far as if somebody relapsed, whether they were in the rooms or not, like what to do?
0: Yeah, if they're if they're just coming back from a relapse. Yeah,
2: yeah, coming off a relapse. What do you recommend?
0: Yeah, um, you know, if you you should have numbers. Uh, I definitely um, call someone um, that you trust or someone that you you might not know but has a lot of time and someone you can look up to, definitely call someone. Um, Because when you're coming back, you you don't want to be alone. You're already feeling isolated. Um, Meetings, like you said, are are wonderful. Because meetings, like they center you, and they they bring you inside the herd. Um, uh, Definitely get a a service commitment uh, once you find um, a home group. now, are we talking about the first month or the first day or anything?
2: Just anything, yeah.
0: Like a relapse. Yeah, yeah, Dev. Yeah, you know, you're you're relapsing. You're coming back, so you know you're going to be filled with shame and guilt. Um, get over that, everyone. It's so common. It's like sixty to seventy percent of uh, all people who go to treatment are going to have at least one relapse, and that is a statistic that I looked up. And uh but that's okay because you know, it took me a long time before it finally stuck. And the the point is you don't want to beat yourself up. And you know, you might feel judging eyes looking upon you, um but I'll bet you eighty percent of the people in that room are just happy to see you back because everyone has gone through what you have gone through. So um, you know, that would be the first steps. Get a Go to a meeting, uh, get a service commitment, get a sponsor, um, you know, the deal. You got to do the deal. But definitely don't isolate and, and start talking to someone who can help you. Yeah.
2: Dennis? What? You with us? No. Gosh. Dennis was
1: going poop. Oh, that's...
0: Um... Oh boy, I thought I thought we weren't going to do that, guys.
2: Mm, everybody poops. Isn't that a book? <laughs> that's a book, right? Everybody. Is poops. it a song? I think it's a James Taylor song. Hmm. <laughs> um. Yeah.
1: I don't. Know. I think like the basic. I mean, if you relapse, the best thing you can do is come back. You know, keep coming back and tell on yourself. You know, that's the thing. If you if you do it and you think like that false pride or that shame or that embarrassment keeps you away or you give up and be like oh I just can't do this then then that's what you're going to do what gets it to finally click is to keep coming back to be open honest and vulnerable and be like look I've effed up you know and people are going to understand that because most of the people have been through that and you want to talk to people who have been through that and know what you're going through -hmm. I think, yeah. I had something else, and then my mind went. That's
2: fine. Well, how about this? I'll come back at you with this. You know the uh, the phrase. It's not really a slogan. It's it's definitely a phrase that's been said in the rooms that you relapse way before picking up the drink. Yeah. You you agree with that, Dennis? And if you do relapse, is is it a good thing to examine the process? of your relapse if that is the case
1: well i think so i've heard a lot of like people talking about they started working the steps backwards kind of so they stop like helping the people they stop going to meetings they stop praying and meditating all of that kind of stuff um i think it's possible or you know i think it's practical to look at it you know you have to see like what was i doing different what can i do different going forward And, you know, I think, you know, when a relapse actually takes place is when you pick up that drink or that drug and you and you take it, you ingest it. If you go and buy it and it's in your hand, you still haven't relapsed, you know, so you know what's going to happen. You know what you're doing. And I think where a lot of things come in is that at some point you have that thought where it's, oh, I want to drink or I want to do this, right? And at that point, you have a lot of time in between that first thought to when you're actually taking it. And whatever happens in there could be different or whatever. But, you know, there's a reason why sponsors tell you to pick up the phone and call people every day. And so you get used to making that action and doing it. So instead of keeping that thought in of like, you know, I was walking down the aisle and I saw a wine bottle and I just started romanticizing it instead of just keeping that to yourself and letting that build up to when you finally drink, talk about that. It might be an insignificant thought like, okay, Oh, I just randomly thought about drinking, but you know, bringing that minute little thing to like your sponsor or your fellowship or a meeting or whatever is going to help squash that. You know, it's going to, it's, it's part of the being the open thing and in like, stopping the forest fire as soon as you drop the match on the ground. You know, you don't let it wait to it to get to a forest fire to put the match out. You you want to attack it as
2: early as possible. You're supposed to call Smokey immediately. Yeah, exactly. What's Smokey's son's name, James?
0: Um, Smokey yeah, the Bear? Yeah, he is a
2: son, right? Does he? I
0: think you're thinking of that's Yogi it. and that's, that's Boo Boo.
2: But that's not his son, Yo-boo-boo. though. Boo-boo. Right, Boo just it is no, just it's his miniature buddy.
0: It's his little friend. Yeah, yeah. Huh? And
2: they, that's true. It, that's something. Yeah, he's got a bow tie. <laughs> so, he so in your story and maybe some advice that you have, do you think it's positive to examine the the process of the relapse? Um, did you do that? What do you think?
0: Yeah, um, you you hear a lot in. Um, when I went to rehab in 2008 about, um, triggers and, you know, stay away from old friends and, you know, places. And that could be very helpful. But, um, you know, ultimately if you don't work the steps and, you know, get a sponsor and be completely honest, you know, you're, you're doomed. You're, there's no middle of the road, really. I mean, you're, you could stay, Over for a time but unless you um work these steps and really truly clean out your baggage you know that stuff is very liable to come up again and uh, cause you to drink so yeah you know it's it's smart you know you don't want to go hang out at bars obviously unless you know you're one of your best friends is a bartender and then it's okay but um you know, I'm only saying that cuz I'm a bartender and Dennis comes to sit, see me <laughs> um you um and I erased all my old numbers that were associated with um people uh, dealing with outside issues if you will and um I you know just changed so much you know I happened to do a geographical change, only because I had to, um, but that helped. Coming up here with a clean slate was helpful. Um, Not that I I knew a lot of people down in Miami anyways, I had isolated for so long anyways, I didn't really have any true friends. So yeah, definitely um, go to meetings and stay away from uh, people who Partied like you partied. And working in a restaurant, there's a lot of them. But they they know my circumstance, so they don't invite me to their crazy raves. Yes. Yeah. That's what I did. You,
2: so, so the people, places, and things that you were around, I mean, because you moved here, you didn't have to deal with those things. If If you didn't, do you think it would have been tougher to have those still in your life if you didn't move and you entered recovery
0: oh yeah part one of the main reasons i couldn't stay sober was because my ex had gotten into a car accident and she uh, was on pain medicine and i was definitely taking those for a good three years and um I would go to meetings, I would stay sober. Um, But I could, I always knew that she had them on her, so I would find a way to get them. Like, there was just, there was no barrier. Like, it was around me all the time, and I couldn't help it. I remember in rehab, my counselor was like, do do you think it's gonna be a problem going home when 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 your girl has them? I was like, no, it won't be a problem. Yeah, it was a big problem. Uh, it, was, it was very hard for me, and ultimately, that's what you know was the downfall because I could not stop um, stealing and lying about those stupid narcotics. Yeah, it was rough. Yeah, it, I, I didn't. I didn't even once I broke up with her. Like I stopped using. Those. I mean, I would every now and then, but because it was so readily available, I, I, my brain just couldn't couldn't comprehend not trying to get those on a daily basis, and it was just hell. It was absolutely hell for for her, for my kids, myself. I, I like how you're you're
1: blaming that. relapsing on your your ex, as if as if That's... you were in a different situation, it would have been different. <laughs> Come on.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's just how I feel. <laughs> Did you, you just you just um, said
2: it's all her fault? Is that what you said?
0: <laughs> no, no, no you mean
2: all, I, there's. I don't blame
1: anyone. Look in the mirror and you'll see the problem.
0: That's just what I went through. Hi, Louie. Yeah. Hello.
2: Hey, our, our friend Louie came over. Do, do you want to give a five-minute share on the topic that we have since what you came there? in? So, so today, uh, Louie's a uh, member of our fellowship. Home group here in celebration, and he's um, one of our old timers. Yeah, but you would never guess it. (laughs) We we got to get your story on at one point. Okay, one one of these days, maybe in the future, if you're game. But uh, just to share about relapse and coming back in, Um, some of the questions that we've tossed at, and you know, if you want to share on them, fine. Um, If it happened to you. Uh, any recommendations you have for somebody coming off a relapse, yeah, um, sure. and, and all that.
3: Yeah, I, um, well, from 14 years old, my first meeting till 26, when I got sober, there's a slew of relapses in there <laughs> coming in and going out, coming in, and going out. I didn't, um, I didn't really, I, I don't know if I was actually really in, I was in the outskirts. Um just showing up and like sitting in the back and then not talking to anybody. But um, I guess the best thing, best advice or best experience I have is, you know, after all those relapses when 26, when I got sober and stayed sober, I had a lot of doubts that I can do it because, you know, my past and my sponsor told me that He made me believe that this time is different, and um, I had uh, to—I had to keep reminding myself that he reminded me of that. And um, you know, I worked. What I decided to do was work through the steps, and if that didn't work, I was going to go back out. And of course, it worked very quickly, Um, got results. But um, yeah, Um, keep coming back, and don't leave before the miracle happens. That's what they told me. Yeah. That's yeah. What I and how how many years Thanks, do you Louie. have, Louie? Um, I just got 20. Zingo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Nice. Zingo,
3: James. <laughs> we watch a lot of regular shows.
2: <laughs> um, wait, how how about this? I I want to toss one more question Louie's way and then maybe we can go around the room and end with this. Um do you think it's uh, and again, this is just our experience, ranked at hope. So really, whatever your sponsor tells you, that's probably right. Yeah. You know, or if it's in the big book, maybe look at that. You know, maybe that will be good. Um,
3: do you recommend changing?
2: <laughs> do you recommend changing sponsors, or did you change sponsors? Oh, with those? I
3: did, I did for sure. Um, well, throughout my time, I um, uh, I've changed sponsors, and I've, I you know, you got to be comfortable with who you're talking to, and, and trust them, and stick with the winners. They always tell me so. I, I think if you need to change sponsors, that's what you need to do. I mean, obviously check your motives and everything. Um, but, you know, I've had uh, a couple different sponsors. I had a sponsor relapse, you know, so I had to get another one. And um, yeah, I mean, it's not marriage. Yeah, <laughs> It's not like uh, a lifetime <laughs> commitment or anything. Um, you know, and you, you, you know, sometimes you change. You know, and you just need something different. So, I think it's good.
2: Awesome, J- James. What do you What do yeah. you think on it? Did you? I, I guess you just stopped talking to them, right? You said when you when
0: you went out. Well, I, I my my story mirrored um, uh, Louis a lot. You know, they came in at 23, and I didn't get sober until I was 37. So that was 14 years in and out with that six uh, years. Of doing absolutely nothing but in that time I had one, two, three, four, five different sponsors and then what I would do is I would get a sponsor work the steps half ass and then I would um, I would relapse and you know I did that like five times and each time I, I thought oh let me just get a new sponsor and I would do the same thing to each sponsor and God bless them they're just they were, they were, I had good sponsors. They just, you know, you can't make anyone do this program. And they knew that. So they're, they could probably see that I wasn't ready. And they just let me, you know, do my own thing. God bless them. And I have nothing but respect for all those men who were my sponsors. But uh, I definitely sponsor shopped. And when I came up here to Celebration, um, it was suggested to me. Uh, that I got the sponsor I have now by someone I I trusted, and and I did, and I got him, and he's a, he's a great sponsor, he's full of knowledge. Um, he doesn't put up with my bullshit, and um, it's it's what I need in, in this point in my life. And thankfully, he's um, he's not led me astray yet. And most of the time, he'll I'll call and ask him a question, and he'll be like, "Well, what do you think about that?" he'll make me answer my own questions.
2: <laughs> well, cause, they, cause then he's pretty never cool. wrong. He's also never right, but you know, be like, yeah. look at it. Like it's batting a thousand, you know?
0: Yeah. Pretty,
2: pretty. Yeah.
0: But he's good. He's definitely a sponsor that goes, you know, he truly believes that now that I'm through the steps, like he's, we're AA friends now. So he does it. He's not really, he'll still hold the sponsor role, but, um, He'll, like yeah. I was calling him just the day before yesterday because I wanted to get a secure credit card to rebuild my credit. And he said, "Oh, that's cool. If you need help, you know, I've, I've got all the information on how to rebuild your credit." And he was like really cool about it. I was like, "Oh, thanks." So, and um, he's also a father, so he helps me. Um, he asks me questions about kids, and he he gives me advice,
2: and it's pretty cool. Nice. Dennis, anything last to, uh, to add?
1: Um, well, I've never changed my sponsor, but I am looking if anyone out there. <laughs> um, no, I.
2: I they, should, they should have like a Tinder for sponsors, just, right? Yeah, right, right? Where it's, right. Right. it's like, oh, my God, they swept right. Exactly
0: <laughs> it can be called it can be called Splendor. <laughs>
2: sure. uh, no, what the heck would it be called? Uh, Splendor. What is it? Splendor? Splendor.
1: <laughs> but uh you should get on that. <laughs>
0: It'd be horrible. It'd be perfect.
1: <laughs> all sponsors are like, Oh,
2: I'm not helping
1: that alcohol. Yeah. List all your
3: problems. Yeah, like uh, Yeah,
2: <laughs> one of the questions is like favorite step. <laughs> <laughs> all the newcomers are like, What does that even mean? <laughs> oh yeah. Step thirteen. So uh-oh. The yeah. the the
3: night.
1: No, <laughs> but my my uh my sponsor like It's worked out so far, you know, like my sponsor, if I have (laughs) a resentment against them, I can go and tell them about it. You know, if I like am freaking out or whatever, dealing with something, I can go and like have a manic episode in front Mm. of them. You know what I'm saying? And like and I think that's what's important in a sponsor is someone like kind of like what Louie touched on is like someone that you can be open with that you can, like, show that ugly side of you and you feel all right with. And one thing to keep in mind, what my my sponsor told me early on is that, you know, with, with the idea of switching, like, if you don't have that, if you don't have someone that you can be open with and you need to switch sponsors, don't afraid, be afraid to do it. Because if someone is working their program and is doing well, then all they want is the best for you whether it's them helping you or not so if someone gets upset and angry at you because you felt the need to switch sponsors well then it's probably that you made the right decision to switch partners you know or or sponsors and i'll just add that if you want to Ever know what time that we recorded this episode? Go back to when James was first sharing and count the church bells ringing.
2: <laughs> and the church bell
1: that just rang was on the half hour. That yeah, was
2: exactly what time? That's it was. that actually. That's also the bell that says that the episode's almost done. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, I think everything Dennis said was well, most of it was good. Uh, some of it was great. Some of it, I don't. Back to the drawing board. No, uh, but. When it comes to a uh, sponsor, yeah, I think being open and, you know, don't take offense to it also if you relapse and they they fire you. You know, that can be like a tough thing. It might be that they don't feel they're equipped to the next phase of your recovery. They're not the right person for it because maybe their higher power hasn't put in them whatever your relapse was. You know, like my first sponsor, his vice was marijuana. Mine was not, but we used the same, you know, and still when I'm going through a very, very painful divorce that I shared the last couple episodes and one day at a time, it's getting better with acceptance. Uh, he's reaching out to me, no offense to my current sponsor, but he's reaching out even more, um, because he has been through that, you know, and, uh. You know, it's amazing. This program really is amazing. And definitely reach out to us, too, if uh, there are any suggestions in the meantime on our Twitter account. Uh, Ways to do that, Dennis? We have a Twitter account? Oh, my God.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You set it up, man. (laughs) Oh.
1: (laughs) Well, we haven't mentioned it in a while. I know. Back
2: back at it. So what what is
1: that? It's on Twitter at the underscore characters at the underscore characters reach out to us we're lonely there Mm -hmm. i sit on there staring at it all day long my sponsor says i shouldn't but i do so i need alcoholics to talk to Mm -hmm. so reach out to us at at the underscore twitter
2: and one of my favorite days on our twitter account is friday when it's very inappropriate meme friday uh, I don't like the name, but Dennis will find an inappropriate meme, and he'll post it out there, right? I am not going to do that. It's going to be starting record. tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow will be the first day that we do this, so enjoy that. I've got one for you. I've got one for about Jesus oh, that it's no. pretty good. I think I sent it to you guys. It's wildly inappropriate depending on what your religion is. So uh, we will be back next week sharing our experience, strength, and hope with you on episode 50. Can you believe that really? next to be 50. Yeah. Holy yeah. Money. And I think we agreed four episodes ago. We we're going to try to get our sponsor. Since James and I have the same sponsor and you, Dennis, try to get your sponsor, Mike M that told his story on the podcast and Brian told his as well. I don't know how many episodes ago to talk about ego, because I think episode 50, it's good that this thing's not going to our heads, right? But you guys, you guys just say, yeah, just like That it. silence means I'm alone.
1: I went and got headshots. And <laughs> you do? started
2: practicing my signature. I makeup. don't know, man. I don't know.
0: I, I just want to say that, um, Dennis, you know, with all your many, many, many imperfections, just remember <laughs> that they're gifts from above. You remember what? <laughs>
2: That they are gifts. Oh, yeah. 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 Even if we don't appreciate them. <laughs> and sometimes try to just put them away. There you go. I
1: feel so loved, guys. <laughs> Thank
2: you. That's not love. <laughs> it's not love. We have effective <laughs> characters <laughs> entirely ready to have uh-huh. all these character defects removed. So remember to keep coming back. And we'll see you next time.